what's up, sinners and choosers? Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. That music you are hearing underneath me is made by my guest today, Lindsay Sandwald, also known as Iggy Dean. She's a fascinating, awesome artist, and I'm so lucky to call her a classmate here at Harvard Divinity School. And I gotta say, conversations like these is one of my favorite parts of being here so far, and I look forward to having more of these. Uh, there's just so many people with so many different backgrounds. I am truly humbled and blown away. And uh, I look forward to more of these conversations with more of my classmates. Anyway, that's all the intro I'm going to give for today. Go to iggydean.com for more of her music. Uh, check her out wherever you can check out music. Uh, go to chooseyourownreligion.com for other episodes of this podcast. And uh, I don't know, take care of yourself. Here's Lindsay Sandwald, a.k.a. Iggy Dean. affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners, wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers and know that you are blessed. I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best, and I hope that you choose your own religion. And put <laughs> like this, like a reflection thing, you can kind of see us. Um, Amazing. Anyway, no, this is fun. I did record one time uh, on top of a mountain as like my last Ooh. episode before I left LA, but most of them were in my apartment. But this is like the second. This is like the third or fourth on location one. Uh, on locations are fun. It is fun. It's like it does feel like a, a bit travel show. Yeah, exactly. It does feel a bit like a challenge because I don't have my normal like soundboard, so yeah. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm Bruce Springsteen recording Nebraska, <laughs> but like outside in Manhattan. We're, you like, know? we're in the bathroom of a McDonald's. <laughs> we are in. No, but the we element. are. We are. We are on a. We are on Harvard property right now. Yeah. The Smith Campus Center. Which is cool. That continues to be one of my, for all of the emotional roller coaster of these first few weeks. Yeah. The one thing that's like constant is every time, because I, do you live around here? Somerville, so 20 minute walk. All right. I'm I'm over the river in Brookline. Uh Uh-huh. So it's always like a journey. Mm, mm. But every time I come in here, I'm just like, what? It's (laughs) surreal. This is this is what are you so you're still with that like oh this is so weird like yeah but i love it i'm it's cool i had my first i mean orientation was just uh uh, orientation for me was like hyper overcharged because i was also in the process of like training at a new job Mm -hmm. and like wrapping up my life in new york you like just moved too right I hadn't, even, you hadn't moved. even moved. I hadn't even moved here during orientation. Oh I like played a really big show, packed an overnight bag. Oh my god! Drove here, interviewed <laughs> for two jobs, did the three days of orientation, started training at the new job, took no a shit. bus back, packed up like my house house, oh got in a god. U-Haul with my cat, and came here and then started class. You know. <laughs> I remember seeing you in orientation. I feel like you really undersold <laughs> what you were going through. I'll be honest. You, I was like, I remember I'd, I'd like listened to a little bit of your music beforehand. I was like, oh shit, this is good. I do want to talk a lot about that later. I was like okay. trying not to geek out about it. I'm like, be cool, man. 
Uh, but then you like you had a very healthy rock star vibe <laughs> about <laughs> you. I don't even know what that means. Well, but. I'm, I, well, I'm, I think of myself as the rock star, but my proper oversoul ego recognizes that I'm like a nobody. So mm. like. I'm, you know, you're just boosting my hot air balloon. To oh, I'm, I'm boosting but, the wrong ego but, here. But no, yeah. it's good. Because then another, so I was going to say that the first week of orientation was almost like a, it was like an altered state. Like I wasn't even in any sort of actual capacity to like judge what was happening. Mm. And then like the first week, the first week or two, I don't even know what week we're on, I think four. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was so blissed out. I felt like I had this like, invincible armor of gratitude on wow where like even though everybody was like it was still like high stakes but i didn't have to like move like the, mm. some of the big literal big heavy lifting was behind me so at that point i could just be like i had just all the space to be like oh my god like i'm a student at fucking harvard yeah like this is awesome and also i felt like no bones about having to prove anything or have an agenda i just felt so present in myself of being like i'm just here because i want to learn that's awesome and, <laughs> and, that, and how are you and now that has since waned a little yeah bit. i was about to say yeah <laughs> well that that has waned due to just having my like can i curse on this yeah oh, having yeah, my yeah. ass handed to me Please. like yeah. simon's <laughs> and um like having some intense like ha- little i had like my first mini tantrum of like missing new york where mm. i was like looking to get a bodega coconut mm. water late at night and Mm. that doesn't exist here and yeah i have found myself in a comparing mind a lot recently um and it's not just because it's getting cold for the first time in a decade for me but (laughs) but, uh, uh, yeah i know god i know i uh believe me i know um but i i have been in that like in that comparing mind as a judging mind you know it's like oh this isn't this this isn't exactly what I envisioned it, of course, but of, of course it wouldn't be exactly. Right. It never is exactly no. what f- you think the future is going to look like. It and, never is. And also, like, the thing I have to like keep reminding myself, like, we signed up for the trial, so mm. like even I, when I catch myself being like, oh my god, I have like so much homework, and this is crazy. And I'm just like, bitch, this is what you wanted. Right. Like, this is what. How lucky are Wh- you? What did you think it was going to be like? <laughs> how lucky? <laughs> and like, have to like remind myself, how lucky are you? But then I yeah, felt like you yeah, know, yeah, 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 the yeah. sort of like fever pitch intensity of everybody, and I've sort of like pitted myself. I don't want to say pitted because I don't want to be like confrontational or like <laughs> aggressive, but yeah. I've sort of. I'll just say it, I've pitted myself against like the more. Our other, co- I don't want to like incriminate other co- cohort, but there our our cohort is sort of split down the middle of like devotional practitioners and oh like right heavy academic right we have we we have the academic focus and academic degree who are more like going into yeah they're taking that some might say the the critical approach to religion and then we have those of us who are in the mdiv master divinity program who are that devotional practice shiny happy people holding hands right that like (laughs) wanting to like be and ultimately do this as a vocation to some degree or yeah. to like be some maybe an advocate for our right. our thing i have been dealing with the cynicism what i've i have perceived as cynicism or ultra criticism and i'm like man and yeah. it's, it's like made me it feels like it's made me more that way but then i had a uh, i had a section today with all all academic uh all mts people yeah uh, that's the other that's academic that's focus people. yeah 
Friends and, and loved many of them. And they were all very lovely. All very no. like, happy, pleasant, wonderful people. Of course. Yeah. And like we need them just as much as they need us, I think. Oh, that's that's for damn sure. And um, But I, what I was going to say is like there, I sort of, I, for those first two weeks where I had like the shining armor of gratitude on, mm-hmm. I sort of was like, oh, look at them with... <laughs> Look at them with their focus, what they think they're going to do. I'm. They haven't yet realized that it, that's not what any of this is about. And then more recently, me being caught up in like, ah, and being like, wait a second. I don't, I was outside of that and I didn't need that. And so I'm like, having yeah. to remind myself. I've certainly had to, I was, I've, this has really been the most present thing on my mind the past couple of days is like, it has been a challenge to to do my gratitude practice yeah. more than usual. I think it's a, ultimately a good thing. Uh, that's the cool part about a gratitude practice, where it's like if you practice saying thank you for literally anything and yes. everything, then it's like then it forces you to figure out all right how how am I going to be thankful for this, yeah. including how am I going to be thankful for having struggles with my gratitude practice, right? Yeah. So it was. It's like if I can get through an environment that, and by the way, th- again, all pleasant people, and if I'm in an when I'm in communities and I've church shopped a lot in my life, uh, when I'm in places where I feel like there's no critical thinking mm. and zero groundedness, I, that bothers Danger. me too. And yep. it's dangerous. Um, so then I'm, then I'm like, please more MTS people. Yeah. But then I do, I think what I'm struggling with is like, it feels, I'm such a heart person. And that sounds, maybe that sounds lame to say, or no. it sounds whatever to say. Maybe it sounds uh, a certain amount of ego, but it's, it's not about ego. It's just like, no, as we're in a safe space. I'm basically talking about pitting ourselves. <laughs> thank you. No, I'm just saying as a method, though. As a mm-hmm. method, I feel I'm well, I, I'm a I'm a Ram Dass follower at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. Or I'm a he's one of my main teachers as far as like things I've picked up from, which is the mind is a wonderful servant but a terrible master. Yeah. And that um it, and that the mind is great. We need it. Right. Uh, we need it to accomplish everything basically we mm. need it to figure out things and we need it to to safeguard us against um you know the perils of irrationality right. and and whatnot but at the end of the day i feel like my heart has to kind of be driving yeah you know it has to be anyway yeah well and that's why like you know in terms of like expectations of this program or <laughs> look now i sound like an mts my expectations <laughs> for my time here um I was so attracted, I I was suddenly, divinely attracted to Divinity School precisely because I wanted and was craving a space where I could have the agency and the authority to talk about God and like the spiritual experience and have it be, have this sort of like upgrade aspect of it that wasn't just like, oh, there's the yoga teacher talking about energy (laughs) and being like, no, bitch, I'm talking about God here. Right. Or, like, uh, being able to at least, like, quote more, like, scripture and stuff or whatever it is. Yeah, or just to be, <laughs> like, because, I mean, I, I don't come from a Christian background, mm-hmm. but I'm, it, uh, the way I've, like, narrated to people is basically, I didn't grow up with any sort of church tradition, hmm. desperately wanted one as a child. Like, I remember being young and, like, asking my parents, like, can I go to church, like, my friends or synagogue like i want a bat mitzvah like, yeah can i do this too yeah and they're like no 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 like trust us you're fine <laughs> um <laughs> there's a god and do unto others and like always be honest but like y- you don't you're not interested in that mm. and i so i like craved it and then i huh. went through like the sort of typical age 11 to 20 
atheism. There is no God. Sure, yeah. You sheeple are all right. crazy. Right, um, right. And then I had, <laughs> like, a very profound... I, it coincided when I started, I guess, practicing yoga, though didn't that wasn't apparent in the beginning. But yeah. I was out on, like, a farm and just sort of had this, like, you know, divine awakening. And then every year it's just been, like, incrementally expanding in some way. But I was going to say in sort of a comic turn of events more recently I've like come there's like a bit of a a rebel bone not a bit there's a big rebel bone in my body and I've come back around to like church and particularly Christianity and like Jesus almost as like a rebel move yes where I'm just like I fucking relate to that so hard all y'all basic people are too cool for Jesus and think Christianity is a joke but actually there's something here that I'm curious in exploring and I feel like I've had Mm. to be like mum about that with my Hyper intellectual secular city friends, not and yeah. I think, but I don't. Know, I might even just be projecting that because I do think there's like a sea change and like things are shifting. Yeah. Everybody wants to be talking about something. Jesus still feels like a a trigger word for so many people uh-huh. I know. Even here, I mean, for sure, like for there's sure. plenty of people here that uh, it's like a you see their you see their posture change, or but that's one of the cool things about being here too that. Just for as, how often is that's like perpetuating? There's just as many people where it's just like, all right, cool, we can like talk about this and know that it's not like <laughs> a fundamentalist, yeah, bit that everybody's terrified of, but it's also can be this like freewheeling, hyper vast conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because I even this past summer especially even connect more. Just realizing, like, oh shit, there, I really am a Christian. At the, when push comes to shove, <laughs> Damn um, it. this whole time. But I am like, as I like, I've been joking, like, I'm, I'm an open Christian, or like, me and Jesus have an open relationship. Like, <laughs> we both see other people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> I like uh, anyway. He's I, very polyamorous. He he really is. You know, he's not jealous of me. His whole thing is to get into everybody. Imagine Jesus being like, uh, well, okay, there, I guess there are some scripture stuff. Like, I, anyway, we don't have to get into that that detail, but we can. Well, just like there are things like, you know, one can only know the Father through me, and it's been a long time since I've studied the New Testament, but I do know there are a lot of things that were likely added post hoc, mm-hmm. shall we say? Yeah. Uh, that were like, well, we need to make this kind of argument for why Jesus was either like an apocalypticist saying the world was about to end or Jesus was totally God or saying Jesus was totally human. So there's a lot of stuff that's kind of, we don't know. I, I say, I should say, I don't know what was authentically there or not. And it is a little bit of a challenge to figure out like what was said by the real quote unquote real Jesus. Mm -hmm. Was there, yeah. What's, what's the transcendent message even beyond that. But that's why, I've taken, I don't, I, I say jokingly, it's a cop out, but like, I, I, mystic Christianity is what I'm about. Yeah. And as far as like Same. having a non-dualist approach and as far as having a, to me, the mystic tradition, it doesn't run through necessarily every uh, tradition out there, but it runs through a lot of them. And there's a lot of commonalities of this paradoxical, yes, there are real differences between me and you sitting here and me in this chair and yet there's kind of not too. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, speaking as a complete novice to this stuff, like I've never studied the new Testament yet. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to hear. I saw you, uh, I saw you in early Christian thought. Well, I love one. early Christian thought. I mean, yeah. that's like my favorite class, but the, and we just finished reading on first principles and 
that first century Christian philosopher origin. Yeah, it's pretty early. And <laughs> it's, it's a really so, early Christian. Yeah. It's so aligned with what I what I feel to be like the truth, which mm. is you know. But the thing that, and what I feel to be that truth is you know, and with all the a lot of like yogis are about too, like Yogananda, who's the sort of the one of the patrons of the lineage I come from has this whole tome, the second coming of Christ and you know, which is basically like the Christ consciousness being mm -hmm. resurrected in you. So it's less about like this historical v figure and right. working out literally all the like bone and flesh of who Jesus was as an actual human and more about like, no, 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 no. This is about what's innate in all of us. And, and that's what origins talking about. But the thing that pr is very still a hang up for me and I'm excited to like tease it out is if, so origins whole thing is like, you know, Christ consciousness belongs to all of us. We're all going to be saved eventually because we're all going to tap into it. And so it's like designed for everybody. Mm -hmm. But then why all of this, there can only be one begotten son. There can only be what? One, one begotten son. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because if the name of the game is to get everybody on the like rehabilitation train and we all want, and this is like this universal uh, wisdom that right. we, are, we all are designed in our own time and ways to awaken to. Why? It's a very confusing message to be like, there was only one Jesus, and he's only there's yeah. only one way. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I have I have literally <laughs> no idea why Origin would, would believe that. I mean, I've I was thinking this summer about like, it's in, and I felt a certain amount of liberty as like, I guess I'm essentially a Christian Unitarian and a Christian Universalist uh, at the end of the day, meaning that like, I kind of believe that like, um, Christ is a, a certain messenger of a divine message, mm -hmm. but that it's, it's not, not exactly Trinitarian. And also that everybody's saved at the end of the day, we're all going to be fine. Also, I don't, being saved, I don't even necessarily love that language yeah, <laughs> either. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, everybody's good. Yeah. Everything's love. We're all made of love. Yeah. Uh, that's the, now as true story I, I, and being somewhat liberated from to, to me, it feels like a liberation from having to like make it all quote unquote work. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's the history of a lot of theology is like they're, con they were sort of confined by scripture and also having to explain their own kind of intrinsic views about God and love and Jesus. And they're like, well, so it's like trying to, draw these like crazy lines or like trying to do these crazy dot connecting like well yeah okay see i can justify this with that and because this person 500 years ago said it that backs me up and right. all and it's like it's very convoluted and it's sort of it's it feels like a little bit like an ego game to a certain yes. degree um and then you have these breakthrough moments where you have i don't know maybe fam famous theologians that i don't know any like nearly enough about yet to say who exactly where these breakthrough moments are but like you have these breakthrough moments where people are like oh actually uh well like aquinas i know aquinas was a negative theology I'm also guy. in that study right now taking aquinas was like yeah we can only really describe god by what god's not because anytime we try to describe god we just get away from describing god mm. which is kind of zen in my opinion but but aquinas also is the again root situation of just like if God is love and that's like the most pure essence and good or goodness rather like, of course, cause the, one of the big 
question, hang up questions. Just like, well, why would we be created in the first place? Why would why would these deviant, compromised, right. fallen beings be created? And it's just like, well, no, you were created because you they, you were created out of like a spirit of generosity. Like I'm full. If God is like this, just pure goodness, then goodness wants to be shared and multiplied. Yeah, and like while we're having this conversation, I'm like fascinated and terrified. Like, what will I? Th- if I look back on this in like three years, yeah. I'm going to be like, what the fuck was I talking about? Yes. No, this will be like a time capsule. <laughs> this is a time Same, capsule. Where I'm just like, um, ew, gross. But, <laughs> but it does, it does get me back to like why I see all this stuff. Even this, con- I love it. It's entertaining to me. And it's like, there is a certain satisfaction, but it also feels like this is like very mind gamey, yeah. right? That we're like trying to figure out how it all works versus like, just love everybody. Well, I don't feel like I'm, I will say and this might be totally false, but my sense is I, I don't feel like I'm trying to figure how it's all working out. I'm more interested, if any sort of active part of me, the action that I'm interested in cultivating is being a participant, not being mm. like a, oh, so this is how this all works. Like, the more I, like, surrender to just, like, accepting... The, the scenarios that I am like manifesting yeah. or gravitating towards or whatever, like the more I feel there. And that's been sort of kind of challenging for me in the classes too, because in this, in my spiritual communities, again, that's sort of a little bit more flexible where like everybody's sort of, I wouldn't say they're, we're on the same page, but like, there's just sort of this like reverence for mm. there's a, there's a, an intelligence or there's something that we are a part of here. There's something transcendent. Something transcendent. And there's something so much bigger than what our ego wants to like yeah. think is important. Yeah. And how amazing is it to be in that experience of just fucking being alive? And it, but back to sort of what I think you were talking about, like to be around the seminar table trying to figure out like parse out and like almost in like legal terms sort out <laughs> right. what, who and how and what it's like so not what any of the of this is you know yeah or it's yeah. exactly what this is where if like the thing mm. I'm, I'm loving about origin is which feels so modern and so almost for my vantage it almost feels airtight mm. where there's this reading of it that's basically just describing god as just intellect which is also very familiar to like an eastern idea so if god is just intellect intelligence and you could think of like christ consciousness as like the wisdom Mm. um this whole game we play even wanting to entertain our minds to talk about this or if you look at the way thomas aquinas writes and it's just like these insane inner dialogues Mm. or even origin for as airtight and as much as i enjoyed reading it it's a fucking 500 page tome Mm. it's like why it's uh, why do that and it's just like oh right do that because if we are all god and we Mm. are this like piece of this intellect this is our godly nature damn that was good for me that was good for me to hear also it feels like my my presbyterian roots are like very much about the written word and about like theology and like and that you're reminding me of that i feel like I've, i've just like forsaken some ancestors or oh, something, no, but no. no, 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 it's fine. Uh, they're, they're fine with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and it's not forsaking the word. Well, and you know what you, what that brought up, what you were just talking about brought up for me is like another sensation I had earlier this week. It's like, 
it's really cool if you zoom out a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, and if you're like, I'm going to be dust soon, Mm -hmm. very soon on a relative scale, this is such a blip. This moment right here is such a fucking blip. Me sitting at a seminar table is such a blip. As were the 2,000 years of blips at the time. So to, you know, and I, I, I personally, I struggle with the idea that there is a super being that has a consciousness that's observing what's happening that doesn't feel right to (laughs) Mm -hmm. me but as like as in a certain sense if we are as humanity through through theological dialogue which includes which is now including a lot more comparative theological dialogue as like the next kind of evolution of that in my opinion Mm -hmm. um as problematic as we're learning that to be, apparently. Yes. Pluralism bad. <laughs> uh, that's an inside HDS well, Isn't that another one of those reverse rebellion things? Like, suddenly diversity's problematic. the devil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. anyway. But I... Uh, <laughs> but so, like, okay. So, we are kind... It's like a flower, right? And we are just a part of the unflowering process. Right. This whole 2,000-year thing <laughs> since Jesus has just been the unflowering. So, there's been parts of it that are weird and kind of wrong and yeah. obviously prob- hateful and like causing a lot of suffering yes. so much suffering along the way uh, that can't be ignored either yeah. i think that is i think that is important to remember um and that it's not just a fun part of this hasn't been just a fun exercise well, there's been a lot of people that have died at it, the hands of that absolutely you know? and even just more close to home so many of our peers are so traumatized yeah. by their faith the way they were brought up in the Christian faith. Absolutely. I would say most people I know are traumatized. Absolutely. And it's like, that's why I don't, even though I get a little, I won't just in the spirit of candor, sometimes I get annoyed where I'm like at somebody else having bag. But then I think I'm like, how can I really be that annoyed at somebody having baggage over Christianity? I mean, I've certain, I've had baggage around Christianity in my life. I remember it, you know? Um, I didn't want anything to do with Christianity for most of my twenties. Um, and to me, I guess that's what was powerful about, um, you know, some of my experiences with ayahuasca was that like, it was very focused on healing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like healing trauma versus like dogma and stuff. And there's like, maybe there is a time. I think there is a time and place for figuring out what's true, what's real, and that's the theological sort of debate, maybe generally. But there's also a time and place for like, let's not even, let's not have the conversation right now. Let's focus on healing the trauma that's within us so that we don't pass it on at, and yeah. through intergenerational trauma. Which is the edict of Christianity, the, the rehabilitation. And I was thinking about this today in class because, and again, uh, there are so many obvious lessons i mean talk about being a blip and everything just being these like microcosms like my little individualized life here i know is about so many just personal lessons and healings for my own life beyond these like surface games of like oh i'm studying this you know Mm -hmm. but um a big one for me being here is like relinquishing huge chunks of my ego that were very dominant when i was in new york city having a tremendous amount of humility and coming back to school and being, you know, uh, mm-hmm. novice and so many things. Yeah. Yeah. But one part that feels, um, I noticed today or in, in, in the context of this class and talking about the big rehabilitation since you brought up like ayahuasca and healing, 
I wonder if, and I'm two years sober, and I didn't get sober through the typical Jesus saves kind of way, but it was definitely a divine intervention and like a spiritual experience. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, you know, like the to have undergone a rehabilitation, to go, to experience in like carnal life a true rehabilitation you go back to the scripture and like the message there and it all makes uh, a lot more sense because you sort of have this like l- science lab in your own life and in your body mm. of what it is to be dare i say saved mm. you know that's powerful for me but i think yeah. I, I haven't done ayahuasca yet but from what i understand it's that's probably what why it hit that nerve well it's it's funny you mentioned that because that is i haven't drank alcohol since my first ayahuasca ceremony um and now it was i wouldn't say that like like that was on my it was on my mind i'm like yeah this is probably something i should do Mm. was leave alcohol behind for good but that was the final like very in my very first ceremony it was very clear like this doesn't serve you and i have no i've had no essentially no desire have it exercise no willpower to to not drink it since yeah. to drink alcohol since well you have you have exercised willpower just in saying no well that's, but my my point is though is that like i haven't had to like there hasn't been moments where i'm like oh maybe right. i could or right. oh man it would be there have been times of maybe slight regret at like a wedding or something mm-hmm. where i'm like oh this would be fun to kick back yeah. but but then it's like i just know when i think i'm like I tap into a higher intelligence, yeah. I suppose, where I'm like, this isn't, I know where this leads. I have the data from right. my 20s of how this yes. leads. Um, and it was a, but I think it was also grounded in a new sense of, and I, you know, self-love is something that we talk about a lot. And we talk about it a lot in like ayahuasca circles I, that I've been a part of. And self-love is beautiful. But I also feel... I after those ceremonies, I felt loved by something greater than me mm. too, um, which you can call the universe. You can call God. You can call Great Spirit. If you're yeah. into whatever your theology is, or you know whatever language works for you, I do think feeling like there is something bigger than me that loves me and yeah. my existence, and it's not just me loving myself, but it's well, being loved. It goes back to you like describing the blips and like just the fact that we're alive, like is so uh, okay so like today in class again unpacking origin and we were specifically looking at this passage about you know origin trying to convince that you are worthy of divinity you're worthy of god and and it i i was thinking like it's so (laughs) it so mirrors like our culture's psychology where we are all consumed with this unworthiness complex. Mm. We don't deserve to be alive. We mm. don't deserve to be loved. We don't deserve to be anywhere. We don't do, 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 do. And like the message, at least as I'm interpreting this text, is just like, of you are alive. Just by being alive means you are worthy yes. to be to be alive. And yes. like if you are a, even if you even if you are not into God or any of this shit, and you're just like <laughs> science DNA blah. blah even that scenario, the fact that we are on this earth, that you are alive for just this blip and there's all of this stuff going on, like, mm-hmm. you got the ticket in. Like, you uh, own it. You have yeah. a body for a very brief t- bit of time. It, you deserve to be here if you're here. Absolutely. You know? and, and, you know, uh, it, that brings that reminds me of a, a theory I've been workshopping that I'm sure 
Uh, I'm sure a professor will like smack me down as to why this <laughs> is not correct, an oversimplification. But I've been thinking about like, I mean, Buddhism and Christianity are probably the two most influential uh, you know, uh, traditions as far as like my own personal thing yeah. <laughs> I've got going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to me, it, it struck me that like, it seems like they're attacking what I would say a common human problem is a negative self story yep. or a negative, a negative story in general about the world or right. about, but it often includes a negative story about yourself right. uh, and negative stories about other people, blah, blah, blah. But like, I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. Like that's <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> whatever. And so it feels like, it feels like to me that um, Buddhism uh, approaches that problem of saying like, stories the story you're telling yourself it's real in that you're having it but it's not necessarily true mm-hmm. it's just it's empty right yeah. it's just a thing it's just a thought and the thought's not real just because you're having it right and it's just observe it so therefore just practice looking at it and also your your true identity is essentially emptiness or it's it's or uh, a no self is like you know I, I'm again I'm butchering and glossing over lots of different opinions it's within Buddhism it's about it. It's a TRL podcast, right? Yeah. Exactly. Got to <laughs> keep it light for the kids. The, the signs are, are <laughs> outside. Uh, In sync. The, that was the that was the greatest show for me for like three months or a year. Yeah. I'll say two years. Okay, fine. Anyway, yeah. uh, so so so. Okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. Buddhism, the, these are great. This the is great. narrative. So that's how Buddhism sort of treats that problem is kind of like poofing the narrative. You're yeah. like, oh, shit. And it's like, there's, I've certainly had those moments like, oh, right. I'm just telling myself that. Yeah. It's not necessarily true. And Christianity to me kind of uses the st- like alchemy in a certain sense yes. with a story. Literary s- alchemy. Right. <laughs> right. And says that, well, whatever your story is, that's not the end of the story. Right. And there's always, it doesn't matter how much harm you've caused other people doesn't matter how much harm you cause yourself doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter who you are what your story is god loves you you're worthy of love yeah. jesus loves you and you can there's a you can rewrite the end of your story yeah it doesn't matter where you are mm-hmm. you can and if you doesn't matter how many times you've rewritten your story right um now to many people you have a game genie with infinite lives right now to many people it seems like <laughs> I just, I just processed that reference, <laughs> and I appreciate it. Uh, I, I always, yeah, the, this, the, the Super Nintendo Game Genie oh, thing yeah. that stuck out, yeah, like just like a five inches out. Yeah, I used it for SimCity and gave myself infinite money. I mean, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like a true genie. Uh, but like, so like, okay, I, I, I lost my train. Of I think thought. you were talking about a genie. Did I just make that up? Um, we had. Uh, sorry, I don't know. I, we did, it's fine. Um, God loves you. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, lives. now it does strike me in the, in the spirit of fairness, it does strike me that people historically have not always felt that that was super satisfying because right. they're like, well, people deserve, people who do bad things deserve justice in yeah. this life. And also people who are like, it seems like a cop out for bad behavior for, yeah. to let people just be like, ah, I'm shitty. I don't know how often that actually happens. It doesn't like you hear about some random stories of some like, oh, I'll just I'll just like ask for forgiveness on my deathbed. I guess it does happen. Yeah. But um so I, I get there are some weird loopholes that that creates. Yeah. But I think 
ultimately, I don't know, there's something very transcendent and powerful about that message. As far as like, when I think about those times in my life, when I was like at my lowest self-esteem mm-hmm. and feeling that my most nihilistic and feeling the most unloved and unworthy. Mm. Yeah. It's a fucking great message to hear. And it's a great message to, to feel Yeah, if you can feel it. But the thing is, which again, back to like having tangible life lab rehabilitation. I, I don't know that you can wrap your head around it unless you experience it in some way. Yeah. I don't yeah. think, and that's sort of, you know, a, a bit of the poverty of being in divinity school, I've noticed, where, for example, I'm also in this Upanishads class. Upanishads are these ancient Vedic texts that, you know, you, you touch upon in, in yoga training and meditation, et cetera. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I'm like, sign me the fuck up. Can't <laughs> wait. And it's been really challenging for me because uh, when you're, when you're treating, when you're working with those philosophies and readings in a yoga training and in your yoga practice you are you are in the lab of the alchemy of Mm. the practice Mm. and and it's it even says explicitly i mean i one thing i'm trying to learn to because i think another part of this practice or another part of this experience of being here is uh like you saying we're going to listen back on this and be embarrassed like already in just three weeks i've realized my errors and my ways of (laughs) I was about to say, I, I have this tendency and it's gotten me in trouble in the past and I'm starting to recognize that it'll probably get me in trouble here. So I'm like taming it back. This like broad universalism of like, oh yeah, like Hinduism is saying, this is just like Christianity. Jesus is a yogi. And yeah, no, I, I do, thing. I've done the same thing a whole lot. Same. Yeah, yeah. And so like now for the first time in a long time, I'm finally recognizing why that's problematic. But so dipping my toe back in that zone though, the bar, the part you know, where the Upanishads mirrored like the Christian scriptures is like, there are these like explicit instructions that you do need to work with this text to get just like kind of some basic wisdom, but that beyond that, like the only way you're going to tap into this is tapping into your own divinity. And so it's been like Mm. the part that feels like impoverished is like, it's not as satisfying to sit around a seminar table analyzing a metaphor when like, I know from my own living that like you have the divine experience in the living, not in the, yeah, but yeah. alternately there are other parts of both scriptures that talk about, and this is something I've actually been grateful for. I feel like whether it's intentional or not, a lot of our professors have like folded into week one reading these texts that sort of glorify the student and the scholar and how the student, like that great reading we did in um, intro to ministry studies, the Simone reading mm-hmm. just how you know studying is prayer Simone veil wow veil yeah w-e-i-l you know how i didn't say it yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he pronounced it in myself. a way i didn't expect it to i was like shit i think it's simone vile i well, don't know he, yeah he's w-e-i-l like, he's jazzed it up a bit but yeah. yeah but how you know just like studying in its own right is a holy practice Being yeah with text reading cultivating attention cultivating attention it's meditation so like I did love that text. That, that was really that was like that whole class is a hug. And the idea that <laughs> it's a bell needed hug. And the idea that like people really just want to hear what are you going through at the end yeah. of the day. Oh, I love you know? yeah. And attention like, is a lo- is love. That's all. Yes. That's all it needs. Um, yeah, I think I've had some some thoughts around some similar parallel thoughts of like a also realizing like oh yeah, 
I've been super generalizing my own universalism <laughs> uh, and saying, oh, we're all one. It's all one. Yeah, um, it's all the same. And also that like it feels like only studying academically studying divinity is like just talking about sex and being like, Oh, right. I know, I know sex. Right. Like, you know, you, you like meet somebody and you fall in like it versus like, and this is what the body parts do. And this is how they advise you to do it. Right. Well, and, and I, and not to like belabor this, the ayahuasca thing over and over, even though I very well can do that. <laughs> but like, that was a, one of the reasons that was a kind of almost a reconversion experience for me was that, it was, it was the difference between intellectually knowing God or the universe loves me and feeling it. Yeah. And like yeah. the difference between it's the, as somebody's, some other philosopher described it as like the diff it's like being able to feel what, you know, what an apple feels like and what it tastes like. Right. You have a certain memory and like really direct contact with that versus being like, okay, an apple is sweet. Like what that doesn't mean anything abstractly. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, I I relate very hard to that. Um, I think what it like again another doctrine I'm probably butchering. Divinity <laughs> school is really driven the humility into me oh, super wait, hard. Isn't that great though? What a gift! In case that wasn't <laughs> in case that wasn't clear no, earlier. No, thank God. Literally, thank, thank God. <laughs> uh, gratitude. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, I it, um, it's that uh, the two truths doctrine that Buddhism talks about, which is that there are two paradoxical truths there is relative truth and absolute truth and like relative truth is is focusing on the difference and is protecting us from the dangers of overgeneralizing mm -hmm. and is saying like no you, you can't just say hinduism is a even a religion yeah as it turns out because we invented the con well we, yeah apparently we we did invent the concept of what of the word religion of the category religion and we we threw Hinduism kind of in that yep. religion bucket versus it being this kind of I don't know a cultural outgrowth of its region and yeah. um, that's immensely more complicated than I ever realized. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that's an important thing that we need to we do need to focus on and thank God for Divinity School to remind us of that. Yeah. But I do think that we can't. I, I'll say I need to always balance that with an absolute truth that Buddhism, I think, describes, is, <laughs> which is that simultaneously it's all empty and it's all unified and it's mm. all one. So it's like, yes, it, there is it's a paradox. It's intentionally a paradox right. that it's all different and it's all the same. And, and if we're always focusing on it's all different, that's as much of an issue as saying it's all the same Yep. to me. I'm, I'm getting better at putting like little personal qualifiers on shit. Yes. Yeah. Name tags. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> and you know, back to the origin bit of which I, I recognize the danger because one part that was being students were being critical of is you can't just say everybody's saved. And like, this is no matter what happens, good, bad, ugly, like it's all part of the plan. Like that's such a fucking cop out. Right. But it's also like, what is the alternative? And I actually have, I, this has been coming up um, very, uh, uh, what's the adjective I want to <laughs> use? Um, precariously, I've been brave enough to voice this and have like reflected on it and I'm probably going to revert it back to silence and reflect on it some more <laughs> privately. But since the climate march is tomorrow and this is like, you know, mm -hmm a zeitgeist of our time right now mm -hmm. 
but one thing that I brought up, devil's advocate E, um, <laughs> is just, it's always like perplexing to me at how much we demand that it should be. What, what is the, what is, what is the demand that Ooh. the planet is supposed to be in perfect health and we're supposed to, and our children are supposed to have a place to live? Like who told you that? Mm. Who told you, who, where, where do you have a sense that that's your inheritance and, mm. and, wh- or who told you, and this maybe maybe this belongs in like the Buddhism camp of like, who told you that there wasn't going to be suffering or that there shouldn't be suffering or, and I'm not, I'm not committed to any of these ideas, but I'm just sort of like. It's a, it's a thought exercise. Yeah. You're entertaining the thought uh, without uh, advocating for it per se. Yeah. Because like on one hand, I, I do align with the thinking that we as i my life appears to be and i'm assuming the other players that are here with me we we do seem to be in some kind of educational moment and i mean our whole lives and if we're going to get mystical probably multiple lifetimes <laughs> but we do seem to be in some kind of here to learn something here to grow here to heal mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. and that you know somebody like origin will say the reason and, and and this is like the pit of the argument where like maybe an atheist will say how on earth would there be a god if my three-year-old died of leukemia like what kind of god would allow that to happen and then there's like this rift of like that's who t- who promised you that right who who promised you anything and right how do we make sense of anything we're doing here i don't know i'm talking a bit in circles no so, so i think what what my my reaction is is there is a certain, um, like with Zen, with my Zen kind of leanings of my 20s, there was a, like a, there was something about like, and I guess this goes along with almost some Roman stoicism, mm-hmm. which Love. is like um, Marcus, just learning Waller. to accept what is and reality for what it is and yeah. realizing that, oh shit, sometimes it's not great. Yeah. Now I think as far as it, putting it in the context of like social action, I think the uh, danger of that is just being like, I don't need to improve anything because right. life sucks. <laughs> um, but uh, no, and I think there is a real there's there are very legitimate theological reasons to say like, well, I need to help ease suffering of people yes. in this lifetime, and I and nobody and literally if nobody does it, then right. I have to do whatever I can. Right. Um, now that doesn't nece- now what that exactly looks like is going to be different from everybody as far as like what specific we only have so much time and attention right. and ability and um, resources so we can't all fix everything our I mean if we could fix everything ourselves that everything would be fixed right yeah I almost feel like my t- temptation to entertain the opposite of that is like a reaction to the uh, the clearly unhealthy i'm gonna drive everybody i'm gonna fix everything Mm. kind of yeah uh, yeah well i like the panic of like uh, the weight of the world i have to fix everything you do fix it but you fix what you can do right in front of you right and that is how you save the world and you know, may, I'm sure a lot of those people would say, "Well, doing what's in front of me is going to the the climate strike." You know, for them, I'm totally. You know, I'm, and I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate now. Back to well, they're not, you know, <laughs> nobody's the devil. Yeah, uh, I'm we pretty, all are because we're all fallen. Mm. 
Hey. Hey. Uh, yeah, I, and I, what I, one thing I do love, and I think this is also present in Buddhism, and what I, from what I understand, why a lot of, you know, Buddhist monks don't become ordained by going to a place like here. Right. right? This is kind of superfluous studies for a lot of Buddhists. Yeah. Like they they become monks through like being monastic and right. like going through that kind of formal training, right? But they, from what I understand talking to a couple of our Buddhist students here um, is that they don't want a quietist. They don't, they, they don't want the, the Buddhism in a cave. In the they they want to, yeah. right. They, and cause they, they recognize there's something missing about that and they want to yes. be out in the world. Uh, I think uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh was one of the main espousers of this, of yeah. like, he had an experience, I think during the Vietnam war where he just realized, Oh, I need to be like out there in the world doing things um and then you know and jesus kind of makes a similar point right Absolutely. jesus is like activist jesus yeah so he's like yeah fucking it's not like yeah you'll be i mean so my my christian interpretation of it would be like you will we're all loved it's not always going to be perfect but it still is like one way you actually can come to love and can come to experience god is through helping other people yes and is through doing what you can now i do think now something i struggle with is like where anger takes a place in all of this and i i have learned that there's actually i i thought for a while we we had agreed that anger was <laughs> was a bad thing but apparently there are there it's are a precious commodity it's precious and i but it's very go on well i one way i heard it phrased framed to me that was new to me that i'm probably going to mischaracterize but i'll do give it my best faith shot <laughs> is that this person was Jewish and they said anger, a certain amount of holding on to anger they thought was actually part of their theology in a certain sense of like not forgetting injustice and not letting people like being like, this is important to, mm. to remember and to like honor people, ancestors that have been wronged and honor those people. And it's not just going to be hunky dory. I don't personally, I think it's, and I guess I suppose it might be easy for me to say this, but it feels like it's there's something more transcendent and powerful and transformative about through forgiveness. I mean, personally, in my own life, the people I've forgived mm. and have that's been really fucking challenging to. Yeah, I have felt much more empowered by that. Whereas staying angry and upset at them felt like I was their prisoner and their captive to right. a certain degree. Um, they were living rent free in my head, as they it, say. Yes, yeah, you know. Um, and si and it just feel, it's felt wiser to me when I have done the work of forgiving people and it's resulted in, I think me being a better overall person to people in yeah. my life. I don't know. Forgiveness is, it's no, I remember experiencing this for the first time consciously of like, I was like, wow, they weren't, they weren't lying about forgiveness. That is some, that is some shit. When you properly forgive someone and it doesn't happen with any fanfare usually or any exerted effort. It just sort of is very divine when it happens. But you you experience the way in which it just sort of levels everything. Yeah. Um, but anger, I find, it's this precious commodity in the sense. It's almost like if to, we go back to like Game Genie, if I'm thinking of like a <laughs> video game. Like sometimes you need that mu mushroom or the thing that kind of like surges you up mm. to get to the peak. Yeah. But you, you you need to use it to get where you're going, and then it needs to go away. Yeah. So it's I remember I can't remember 
it was described almost as like a boat and you take the boat across the river and then you just leave the boat and you keep going because right you know it, it's a but it's nobody trains us how to use it effectively and right i think and we're seeing this a lot now where uh women or especially are trained not to even touch and tap into it mm. that you have to be it's okay to be sad and quiet but like god forbid you're angry and that's we're seeing that sort of pour out now in in mm. unresolved ways yeah but i think um and, I'm, and then i'm also thinking just it, it, it's such a natural it's a it's a natural and uh, this is probably taking a lot of liberty i was i was gonna say therefore good quality like i'm thinking i was having these like minor experiences <laughs> i always f look for the wisdom in like very minor experiences yeah, like one time yeah, yeah. i turned the sink on and the water came out just like scalding hot <laughs> and i got so like in an instant just blood curdling angry like, <laughs> I, was like, I like roared and then i realized that's my body's defense mechanism mm. like i got so for an instant like violently enraged to protect myself mm. and mm. of course that wouldn't serve me beyond getting my hand out of the water but fuck it served me in that moment and so like that's yeah, where it yeah. belongs you know yeah, you know, and it's funny, even though you did have anger at an inanimate object, uh, <laughs> I have, I can't remember who said it, but somebody re recently framed it as like, it is funny when you notice the difference in your anger when you think somebody has screwed you over then versus realizing like, oh, it was just an accident. Like, yeah. it was just an accident of Nate, like, like, oh, they left the milk out or they yeah. left something out. Like, oh, I left the milk out. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> you know, and then the anger, it's not the thing you're even mad about. Right. It's what you perceive as the transaction that happened or right. whatever. And I do think there is what I, I'm, I mean, there's the classic example of Jesus being angry in the temple, right? He, he wasn't. I don't know. An, oh, okay. So there's, <laughs> I don't know anything. there's the, the classic Jesus is pissed <laughs> example is him like turning over the, the table of the he money changers. Yeah. He, he, he gets the, ass. there are money changers in the temple. The temple had gotten commodified and he he was pissed about it. Mm. Uh, and he said, you're, you know, you're a bunch of, uh, hucksters basically, you know, yeah. in his own, his own words. Not, <laughs> I think that's what he said. Uh, I haven't taken Greek, but I think that's what he said. Um, so anger, I mean, has a has a biblical basis. It's also other. There's a there's a lot of a lot of wiser people than me have talked about anger, and I'm just doing my best to distill it <laughs> what it's made sense to me. Yeah. And there's also, I think, there is often a righteous anger in the best way that that's kind of what that Jesus moment is illustrating of like. At injustice, right? Mm, and there is yes. times when it's anger, honest. and it's not just, it can be injustice of something you've experienced. It can be injustice that you perceive. And when it happens, it I feel like it should be kind of, it, it, to me, when it's righteous, it feels like it has less of an egoic flavor yeah. to it. And it has it's more like a of pure. a zoomed out, like, this isn't right. Right. Um, this is just not right. And even when I'm calm, and not in the heat of the anger, right. I can still say this is not right. Um, now, the problem is I think often we can really, really not have a full grasp of the diagnosis of what's causing an unjust situation to happen or who caused an injustice or what caused them to act. You know, when you, I think the more information we get, it, it, compassion tends to make sense even in the midst right. of anger. Now that's 
and, and now as far as like using anger as a tool in your own life, oftentimes I feel like I have had to use and rely and trust my anger of like my boundaries are being violated yeah. here. This yeah, isn't right. It's a, it's a signal. I need to stand up for myself. And I've, yeah. I've done that a handful of times and it's, it's been hard. I was like, I was not taught to honor my anger a whole None of lot. Us were. We don't have you know? good mentors. Um, and we don't have good practice, therefore, right. doing it. And and I also think in a culture where we we I don't know what the, the exact balance should be. It feels like there's a balance. It feels like there's a dance to be involved with like how much anger, you know, there's yeah. there's a certain percentage of anger and and also apologizing and forgiveness. And we don't I don't feel like we have enough of on the forgiveness side yeah. of thing culturally. So it feels like if there's more of a culture of forgiveness, then maybe it's easier to express anger and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Or we, the way we, t- we, we sort of glorify anger is sort of this devout, pious anger that lasts for a lifetime. Mm. We're just like, I will never forgive you for that. And we somehow sort of glorify that as being like true and devout. And it's just like, oh, like that is so destructive. Well, and we've gotten away from the apology being holy yeah. too and apologies are seen as kind of weak as like a sign of like social lowering yeah. in a certain sense i think people see it that way i i mean when i was at my when i was like in my 20s you would kind of be like you would see an apology as like a sign of admission that mm. they were they were wrong and they're and people reject apologies all the time like yeah. how many apologies are like that's not enough i don't know it's a weird and, it, and it's hard because because the source of even the rejection of the apology is also trauma and right. is also hurt and pain you can't exactly say they're wrong to not forgive somebody yeah. but uh, but that's why forgiveness is so miraculous because when you do do that mm-hmm. and you're right it's just like i just let myself off the hook I just let everybody off the hook and how amazingly powerful and healing is that because yeah. only you decide, you know, again, the living rent free, only you decide how much you're going to allow something to continue to bother you. And the second you sort of like forgive it, you let everybody off the hook. Well, and I think forgiving other people is, it can be a, it's a, it is often illogical in some sense. Ab- and it's, yeah, no, it's super common. it reverse, it says, I don't care about the transaction of who wronged who. It's good. It's yeah. all good. And that, I mean, if you ever read some of those, like, <laughs> these are always one of my favorite stories, like those, like, person being sentenced to, for, for a murder and the family's forgiving them and they're, like, they're pleading for them not to get mm-hmm. sentenced to death. Yeah. Or they're like, we totally forgive you. We know you did this horrible thing to our family member, but when you read that and it's genuine, yeah, it gives me fucking chills. Yeah, you know because it's like, it's oh so wow, yeah, there is something powerful they're speaking to, which is breaking the cycle yes. of redemptive violence. Right. Something that's been like exciting for me to feel viscerally is back to you know, the monastics deciding, you know, I'm not supposed to be up here on this mountaintop. I'm supposed to be in the world. It's, it, and part of a big drive to come to divinity school was like, yeah, I'm going to put my, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling called to be doing something that's serving people and serving people in a way that's not so obvious or so still lost in this realm of ego of how I think I can, how I can even, but even begin to fathom how I might be of aid to anybody. But Coming here, for me personally, it was de- it, it, a big part of it was like the things I recognize in life, the like big moments of be it a birth or a death or a marriage or the, the parts of life that are just so um, 
or, or the parts that are, are completely tragic or completely elated, like those to me are just like such hotbed life moments and there needs to, I want to be attendant to those. Mm. And people need people to be attendant to those. And I didn't, I recognized that I was already doing that and I wanted to just sort of like acknowledge and come into that more officially and be like, okay, like people need people to stand up here and give a speech at a funeral. People need somebody to make sense of this part of their life that makes no sense. Or not to make sense of it, but to, you know, muse about why it doesn't mm. make sense. Um, <laughs> that's our intro to ministry class. Yeah. Caution <laughs> yeah. coming out. Yeah. Um, but then at the same token, it, it, it's, it's very, because ref- I think when you tell people you're going to divinity school, they like cock their head at you. And they're like, what? Are you going to become like a priest? Like, what is this about? (laughs) But they're also very curious. And something that I don't think many people recognize, I don't even know that I was fully aware of it till really coming and visiting here and enrolling here, just how activist-driven it is, that this is a a path of action. And that I know in one of like our flyers, it showed like a bunch of divinity kids locked arm at, at... Charleston or yeah at Charleston Mm. and that was like not Charleston Charlottesville Mm. and just being like oh yeah this is frontline stuff this is frontline work yeah so that's um exciting yeah frontlines are ugly though too and say what frontlines are messy yeah and it seems like um and a lot of that is like it's very challenging for me um and I think that's a good thing (laughs) I think um, a thing I say a lot is quoting this musician, David Lamont, that I know and love. And he talks about, like, his community should be challenging. The communities he looks for are challenging and nourishing. Mm. And if they're not one or the other, it's probably not the right community. Mm. So if it's only yeah. ever nourishing, if you're only just nourishing each other in a cave yeah. uh, and not going out there and fighting for other people and taking a stand for other people in whatever way... Um, to the best of your ability, to the best of your specialty, too. I mean, mm. we the beautiful thing about the human race is that we all have we can all specialize in certain things, yeah. and we if we try to generalize, we'll probably be less successful than if we all just figure out what yeah. our specific thing can be. One of my favorite um, yoga teachers would often say, and I don't think it's unique to him, but uh choose yourself everybody else is taken like yeah like yeah everyone else is taken yeah um and i i don't know and sometimes i like sometimes i it, it's it's helpful for me to remember just how much pain everybody's yeah. in um yeah. like all the time <laughs> i think it, it seems yeah. like the Buddha was on to something, maybe, when he talked about <laughs> suffering. <laughs> maybe he had some good yeah. ideas. <laughs> Fine. Um, well, this is not to take it down a rung, but I, w- I wanted to bring this up a couple times in our conversation where it kind of relates back to anger and just sort of like the minor practices. So I ride I ride a bike to campus every day. And I, I'm not like... I wasn't like an avid cyclist ever. Um, and I've noticed... I, and I love it. I said I sit on the bike, and within a minute, I'm just like in this elevated state, and it's become one of my favorite practices here. But I notice how I'm very keenly aware of how I engage with other drivers on the road, and for the most part around here, this is a very bike friendly place. Mm-hmm. 
but you know inevitably there's precarious moments and I find my brain want to lurch into that like stereotypical angry cyclist mode of being like mm. what are you doing man come <laughs> on like somebody almost adored me today and yeah. I'm sort of like like oh, like what is like, it about traffic that makes us that way shame yeah well but then you know what my mantra has come to be and it's like my new it's a mini spiritual bit every time something happens and I kind of like have to you know think quick and want to and want to like shame or judge a driver i just think you know everybody's doing the best they can they are like i've been the driver and have sort of glanced over and like oh whoa like everybody's just doing the best they can (laughs) definitely definitely are you familiar with uh don miguel ruiz at all four agreements four agreements yeah yeah. and the like the longer mastery of love yeah so (laughs) you know donnie miguel i know donnie uh (laughs) And Don is a title. It's, it's, that's the worst part about that joke. Um, <laughs> but uh, in like the in his, I don't know if it's a preface. It's like I think it's like a whole chapter or two to what to the four agreements. He just talks about like everybody's got like sickness in them. Basically, yeah. we're all like there's a lot of shit we're all dealing with, and there is something about healing, about mere attention, about being with somebody about being just being present with people that is far more impactful than me like saying fucking anything to them exactly um and oftentimes i was actually as have you read the uh have you read the ambrose reading i was just gonna bring it up i started it and did you have to be first rule shut the fuck up basically right and i stop talking and that kind of uh you know raises some questions about what we're doing on what am I doing with having a podcast? Uh, (laughs) what damage have I done? Um, I mean, but you know, I, I, people love podcasts. This is their education. They do. Slash social. Isn't, isn't the, just quick side. Isn't it amazing how pop, isn't it reassuringly amazing how popular podcasts are? It's fascinating. It's like a, it's almost, it's so retro. It's like people sitting by the radio, like that, that that's something that we, more so than listening to music, mm-hmm. of course, people love TV. We're in a golden age of that era of that. But like, I'm so like reassured and happy that people want to listen <laughs> to people talk. It's a fast. I mean, the internet has just enabled that like God f- flowering conversation yeah. thing we were talking about earlier. Like, it just enables that to happen at so much more of a rapid speed than it used, and it allows every much more voices to be a part of that yeah. than ever were before. Yeah. Nobody would have ever allowed me to speak in public. <laughs> This would not be happening. <laughs> um, I, I I do maybe this is I I've been wanting to ask you about your music. Uh, we haven't Shoot. even gotten to it. Yeah. Uh, but I, maybe this is a good pivot to go from like because there is something about music that isn't. I mean, it often involves talking, kind of melodic talking, but it's not yeah. really it's not really talking. It's no, something different. But it is communion. It is yeah. like a communication. Um. What is so? Also, I'm I'm curious. I'll, I'll throw out some, maybe, I don't know if this is even the right approach. I'm like fascinated about having an alter ego, whether, is Iggy Dean an alter ego? Is it a stage name? What is, what is that? Or what is that? It's yeah. a terrible what way to that? phrase. <laughs> or what is it? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about how you got into music, about, about your whole relationship with the creative process. There's just a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. And there are... Also, I just I do want to say I, I do legit love your music. I was like, Thanks. as I was walking, I legit love it too. I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah! 
I was like listening to it all day today, and I was like, and, and pr- I, I did prepare for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Somebody prepared. Uh, but I'm I w- showing up in the present. No, it, it, you're great. You're great. Uh, but I was like, as I was walking here, I'm just like drumming the air, and I'm like, this cool. is. A, I was like, this is music that feels like I'm not. I was like, feels like I'm accomplishing my goals. No, fuck it. it feels like I'm accomplishing my dreams. Yes. This music, <laughs> like it's it's fucking enlivening and mm. all this stuff. Um, but so where when did yeah. you where does well please tell me your story re- this relates to divinity in a lot of ways because um so i started i i probably started making music when i was five six seven years old and n- my dad was a drummer so we had a like an electronic drum kit in our house and he was a big audiophile so there was always a lot of music in my house but i never had any real proper training or lessons but i i was very uh inclined to make music from a very very young age it was played drums when i was 10 all through middle school i had i was into like the pop punk of the era i got a i started with a drum set i got a bass guitar i got an electric guitar i got a four track and i learned how to make these multi-track like punk rock songs on my own and that was like my favorite thing to do and then in like high school i played bass in this hardcore band and but essentially what it boils down to is I got to a point, but I wasn't fostered or, or, or supported by people that said that recognize, and that this is actually breaks my heart. Um, mm. I know I have this inexplicable and I'm not like virtuosic. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but I clearly have a musical talent and I wish Maybe I don't wish because everything worked out just fine. And it's working out great. <laughs> but I wish somebody had recognized that when I was seven and like cultivated it for mm. me. Um, but that's not how it worked out. Instead, it worked out that I like was also equally um, interested in like writing and books yeah. and was uh, very, I, I had some, you know, typical life trauma happened in my early teens and fortunately the coping mechanisms I really uh, hung on to were making music and overachieving in school and those were sort of my two <laughs> and they all were both all, both about getting attention <laughs> I remember being in seventh grade and like a bunch of people uh, like I had a year where I was like getting attention in really gnarly ways and then they my school would have these like assemblies where whoever got straight A's would come up on the stage and get like standing ovation applause and I was just mm-hmm. like I fucking want that so I like did really well in school so I could be up on stage and get the applause which is the same thing sort of you know a musical well music the, the making music thing there's I'd be lying to say because there's the performing of the music and there's the making of the music the making of the music is a very solitary very spiritual very meditative isolated creative thing and and i and i learned from a very young age how i could like lock myself in a room 12 hours would go by i wouldn't need to eat i wouldn't need to do anything i was just in the song so anyway but i was on this academic track so i did really well in school i got into college which was mm-hmm. a big deal for my family because i don't come from educated family um, and was sort of just like, yeah, I'm, I'm making all this music, but I can't do that for a living, so I'll, I'll be a te- an English teacher, a writer. And uh, had a nice run with that, 
had a big chip on my shoulder and thought, oh, now I'm going to get a PhD and teach, become a literature professor. It didn't work out that way. Mm. Close friend from childhood, who I was one of my early musical collaborators, got melanoma and was like very quickly deteriorated. And mm. I, I, wa- I attended his bedside mm. and his deathbed, you know, and that was life changing. And mm. decided that summer, which was 10 years ago, I was just like, oh, I don't have to go to school. Like, I am can I can do what I want. And I sort of had this, like, epiphany of, like, everything I'm doing or everything I've been doing has been to sort of, like, appeal to others or to do what I think other people want me to do. But when I really, like, reflect on what was the thing that I was doing naturally from as my earliest memories, and it was it was making music. And I sort of had this idea, like, there's no explanation for this. Like, this is like a uh, this has to be some kind of God download. And if I don't explore this, it's an affront to God. Mm. So that sort of like, gave, that was the impetus to like get serious about it. So wow. I, I, d- I gave myself initially, I was like, I'm going to give myself five years. I'm really going to go for it. I had had many monikers over the years and Iggy Dean at the time, I don't even remember, how did I, oh yeah, Iggy Dean, it just, just totally random the way everything is. <laughs> but um actually just had fried green tomatoes for dinner tonight which was so good <laughs> i bring that up because there's the movie slash book fried green tomatoes has a character Iggy threadgood who oh. i identified with so and one of my close friends at the time would call me Iggy, and she was like Iggy dean you're like james dean and Iggy threadgood rolled into one like this masculine <laughs> feminine badass and i was oh, just like i love that i was like oh i kind of like that i do regret naming myself that though because nobody for whatever reason understands it they're like is it igby but anyway i thought it was a cool name when i first heard it yeah it's it's my it's the name i didn't i didn't choose it for myself mm. that's sort of how i feel about it at this point this and i the just best names I, uh, <laughs> too in yeah. a certain way but i i went for it and the five years flew by and like every time i thought i might be at like a roadblock something would kind of blow up and give me another tank of gas to ride on and so that was sort of that got uh, that was a 10 year long road trip wow and then i recently before coming here did this whole um, <laughs> performance art funeral to kill iggy dean <laughs> which felt like the right thing to do because i needed to like have a little ego death and i wanted to sort of like wrap up something before yeah. starting this Close bizarre chapter, chapter. Yeah. but you know and I said th- that night and I know in my heart, like I can't, I couldn't, st- I couldn't not make music if I tried. And the thing I love about making music is that it just feels so much like the truth. Mm. And like when you're, when you're, when you're making, and I just, I, and, and, and okay, let's get back to divinity. Like God's creating out of love. Like when I'm making music, like, it is just so infused with me doing it because I love to do it. Mm. And unfortunately, especially in the last couple of years, because I got kind of on the track of like, oh, this is my career, this is my profession, I need to be successful in this, it loses some of its, um, you can you can feel sort of like the, the loss of uh, magic. Mm. And so I think another hope I have of coming here is to kind of like, get do this like reverse course and remove myself a little bit from the hustle and the rat race of it so that I can give myself the space to like make music the way I did when I first started making music. Oh, I, I, want, like that. Yeah. I just was listening to this record yesterday. Um, 
life tones. Mm-hmm. God bless Discover Weekly, and I swear <laughs> they're like listening to my conversations. But life tones was this like I just learned about them yesterday. But they were like a side project spinoff of this band in the night in the early '80s. They made this one six song record. And it disappeared for like twenty years. Wow! And some, and then there was like some people that knew about it and like advocated to like get it re-released. And it's like a very simple, unsophisticated but truly honest, truthful, divine message thing. And I was listening to it yesterday. I was just like, now this is like the kind of record I want to get back to making. Mm. Like just telling the truth and mm. and um, and doing it in a way that has the freedom of being uh, abstract. And, and, and I mean, you got me started, so I could like literally no, talk about this yeah, forever. Yeah. But the, the thing, too, that's so special about music, especially when you're performing it live, it's like everybody's in real time as it's happening. It's not like, here's this dead artifact. Have yeah, fun with yeah. it. Because even when you're listening to the recording where I'm absent I'm not absent because you start it at a certain moment and there's say three to seven nine minutes that you are attendant and and it's a in real time experience energy exchange energy exchange vibration Mm -hmm. like and and there's another interesting details uh, it's eerie to me there's many lyrics of mine that I've written that have become almost like prophetic where years later I'll like listen to them and I'll see I'll find a way in which they've like manifested <laughs> and to me that just like attributes like yeah you you it's ch- it's encanting it's like or it's you know you're chanting these things and mm. you're you're in the beginning was the word you're creating <laughs> yeah. existence out of it so mm. Anyway, That's fascinating. I'm rambling on. No what, you're, did I you're, touch all the points? No you did you get you hit all the <laughs> all the points. Um yeah something about like to me, when you're like, if you're, it's like telling the truth. Um, I think too, it's like sometimes the abstraction and like telling the truth doesn't have to be as like in that sense of like I'm describing a literal thing. Yeah, and it's and we obviously like, talk about all the time the poverty of words. Of course, there's words and lyrics and music, but like, it's so nice that I can say something with a drum instead of yeah saying something with a saying well this is something that um again to tie it back to my ayahuasca experiences (laughs) that i really well i really did get like a sense of like i remember having um a sense of closeness to ancient human ancestors Mm. of like what people might or just imagining pre-language civilization whatever that looks yeah. whatever the fuck or not it wasn't even civilization just pre-language human living or yeah like and people still there was some kind of love that was happening yeah right and there was some kind of there were I, you know i don't know the history of drumming but i think drumming has been around for a long ass time yeah um <laughs> and there's still well we all have one inside of us so that's good that is good i get like so annoying people like i can't sing i can't dance i can't drum it's just like you have you have a metronome inside of you (laughs) yeah and it's it's like there's something pre there's something about music and the vibration within music and with drumming that's like a certain kind of like you know rhythmic Mm -hmm. vibration that 
that feels like it arrives before your mind gets there, before yeah. your mind gets in the way and like starts analyzing it to death and starts analyzing this whole situation to death. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely it's, the most visceral and primal. People have been less harmed by music than they have <laughs> by words, I think. Yeah, think about you know? how much people have been healed by music. I mean, so many, I mean, myself included. And, yeah. that, and that's why it's like, you know, everyone. In ceremonial practices and work, it's often it's often music that's the vehicle for healing too, yeah. and um, is the method itself. Um, yeah, it's just I I definitely always and I always wanted to be a musician growing up, and I never never really felt like I had that any kind of talent. I mean, and uh, <laughs> well, I didn't like playing piano. I was forced <laughs> to play piano. Uh, I almost had a. Well, that's the problem, right? There. Uh, right. I almost had a reverse play. experience, yeah. where it's like my mom wished she was trying to nurture it. She's got to cultivate it. I'm like, I don't want to fucking. I, I learned how to play the Star Wars theme. That's like nice. all I really like enjoyed how to play on piano. <laughs> and then like two years after I quit, uh, Ben Folds gets huge, and like I'm like I could have gotten girls through this. Mm. I didn't know what the fuck. Careful what you wish for. Uh, <laughs> your your musicianship also. I hate this narrative, and I'm working very hard to rewrite it, but dooms you to solitude and loneliness and despair and mm. you set it seems that in choosing in com- in boldly committing to the path of artistry you sacrifice the householder mm. a bit mm. I, yeah I, and i i don't have that experience and I, obviously it, that's but, not true because obviously there's but plenty, no, but it's, plenty it, of artists who are yeah but and i i did like i had uh, again through ceremonial um experiences I one of the most powerful things for me was actually discovering that I have a voice that yeah. um, is connected to my soul, and it's not just like a thing to either be good or bad at. Yeah, it's a part of me. It's yeah. a part of my. It's a way to express something that it, that is truer yeah. than even the words I'm saying. It's a, expressing a tone. It's yeah. expressing an emotional. The, uh, connect it's like a, a soulful connection between heart and mind right. and spirit right. and um and i started i was able like I, i've been so blessed with being able to play songs in ceremonial context since then i like practice and that inspiration got me to like practice my guitar and now i play you know just a diddle around on an acoustic guitar yeah. now but that's like an important that's one of my most important daily spiritual practices yeah. is doing that um and it's like and it's the weird thing about music too is that it, it's so much more powerfully tied in my memory mm. and easily accessed through my memory than most word-based things. Oh, are. Yeah. I forget shit all the time about like what I said, but like you know whatever. But like songs song, fucking yeah. stick with you. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're sacred, and even like yeah. even the songs that you wouldn't presume to be sacred. I mean, we we so underappreciate and undervalue what these three to six minute things do. And I think I'm a fish fan. So it's like 20 minutes. No, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it's all one big long yeah. noise arrangement. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. And it's, it's, it's also, you know, be, it would be so lovely to get to just make music, but this is another chat. And this even, I don't even know if I feel connected to this anymore. This feels like an old, lament because i'm i feel like i'm past this bit of being like oh i'd be nice to do music but i can't afford to live that life it's just like yes you can you you your whole life has been making music even 
so that that's not an excuse. Mm. <laughs> Same as that there's no excuse to not do anything that you're called to do. Yeah, it's like just And there's also no wrong way to do anything that you're called to do. Mm. That's the, I think that's what trips us up. Me especially is like thinking, "Oh, I need to do this to a certain appraisal moment." And that's just not true. Mm. You know, it's it's you our jobs here, I think, are to approach the things that r- resonate the most truth for us and and the closer we get to doing that um i think we're 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 doing a great job yeah and like that that involves the call might be there for us and it's about being a better listener to what that call is and here's another yes and and another thing that i'm learning as i'm like mat- becoming a more mature artist is understanding like a tricky part about like making the things you make in your 20s and early 30s is you're still very much tied up in your own identity around it and it's this sort of like idea that it belongs to you or that you own something and realizing that like and and this isn't like a new idea that you have while you're making it but like once you make the thing you make it's no longer yours yeah. and, th- and thank god i mean of yeah. course it's you know means something to you because you gave birth to it but like even just um i mean hearing you say that you're listening to my music is makes me so happy and i heard from somebody just last night who i don't know who um just reached a stranger that reached out to me being like hey i, j- I just lost a close friend of mine and i just was listening to your record and mm. It means so much to me. Thank you for making it. Wow. And like that, wow. that, that's rare. It doesn't happen all the time. Man, when it happens, it really, that one little message from a stranger, like makes it all worth it. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. Because then you think like, okay, like this, because the part of you that I think when you grow up and you, you make that switch where you're like, okay, this was fun being in this little incubator. Where I was doing everything sort of self-centeredly for a while, but like now I kind of want to like turn face outward. And this was a definitive shift with mm. the identity of Iggy Dean, because like for a long time, Iggy Dean for me represented my maximum self, and I, you know, we're always striving, or at least I am always striving to be like my maximum self. And Iggy Dean was like my pinnacle version of my being, and then I outgrew it. Right. It was just like, well, I like this too, and I like this too, and Iggy Dean doesn't accommodate all of that. Yeah. So yeah. I need something that's going to accommodate all of that. And, and I felt similar things with aspects of comedy or storytelling, or now I didn't necessarily, I don't know if I ever actually reached the peak comedian I could have been. I don't think I ever quite did. But I, I part of that was like, feeling that I was called to something else as I was like going through it and feeling it didn't quite align in some Mm. important ways. But, um, you know, one thing too, I was just thinking about, like, I don't know why I was like, I feel like a part of me has been like feeling like I didn't give people a fair enough shake with like, like with, I didn't give the angry people a fair (laughs) enough shake (laughs) or like, you know, our, our beloved, um, our beloved activists that we, we have here. And I think I'm like, also, I'm, now I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting a little bit disjointed because what you were saying about like it no longer belongs to you. It's like part of a conversation, right? And it's like yeah. putting a piece of it's art out in there in the world. It's an offer, and then you also have to realize people get the chance to fucking talk back, and yeah. they, have to, they they are gonna. And sometimes that response will be beautiful and like 
feeling good but then sometimes they'll be like uh yeah i'm gonna give my piece of the conversation just like i was not into that (laughs) um which sucks to hear but um and it's also contributive to goal to to growth and it it does yeah you know and it's like to use good old pauline language (laughs) to bring old paul (laughs) uh old problematic paul uh into it there is that like beautiful description of the body of christ that's like you know the eyes. I can't. I'm now. I really. I, my, la, my 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 distance from like the, the passage and the, the my distance from Christianity that I had for most of my twenties is showing because I can't remember exactly how beautifully he phrased it. But like, basically, we all have to be the best. We're all. Every part is important in the body of the yeah. church and the body of humanity. We each have a special role to play, and I can't be you. I can't do the things yeah. that you're doing. Um, because we don't need, we, we don't need a clone of you. We yeah. need, we're all different. We're all special. We're all, we all have very special gifts. And so we need, we need our angry people. We yeah. need people who yes, actually cheat God, to be more yeah. angry. Uh, we need people who will, be, who will be like more easily, like, um, more sensitive to injustice right. being perceived. Now I would also say maybe they need other people too, to be like, right. It, maybe not the maybe not all of it is maybe but we can we can heal we can work together yeah. we can, it's in a, but in a holistic picture we do all need each other yes. and we need to work together and realize we're all on the same team yeah. we we can all be we're working all together being here. Yeah. and the more we can focus on like common goals and shared goals and remembering and appreciating each other's differences and appreciating each other's skills and passions and um, like in, the, in Enneagram terms, in terms of realizing, oh, people have different core drives and motivations right. and emotional pains too. And um, I think I think we can get a better sense of cohesion yeah. about stuff. Um, anyway. Yeah. I felt like, I felt satisfying to like, yeah. Yeah. I felt good for me. Cheers, man. Um, <laughs> is there anything, so are you, is there, a, I feel like we're about, I feel like we're at a good, wrap up point you feel yeah. good what, what are your closing curiosities <laughs> remarks do i i don't have any rote ones lately i don't have any i used to like make up a religion at the end the, the first like a makeup e- <laughs> in the first year of this podcast i would make up a religion at the end of each episode i, I kind of outgrew that um because <laughs> <laughs> well anyway um where can people find your music where can they find you okay oh, can, can i include us not to put you on the spot i'll, I'll cut this out if uh if i can't like, can i include some music at the front and the back end yeah for sure this? yeah i feel like it adds a certain amount of context to this no definitely conversation. Yeah. yeah it's this is this is weird i just had this like um i mean i'm getting tired so i'm also i feel like i'm going into like dreamscape but i just had this flash of an idea that i feel like i'm in an afterlife because i threw this I, I had a I th- the last the killing of Dean was a very elaborate performance. <laughs> so I had this whole literal funeral <laughs> ceremony, and it was amazing. But now it's been uh, so to be like um, feeling this like echo of like promoting Dean almost feels like a weird like lucid dream moment. Anyway, I'm getting a little no, you're trippy, fine. You're but right. you're um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, well, because I had a friend. This is a bizarre, random anecdote, but a dear friend gifted me a new wallet before coming here, and I like ha- my old wallet was just like t- full of stuff that shouldn't have been in my wallet, including like tons of like Iggy Dean business cards. <laughs> and when they were like coaching me to like Marie Kondo my wallet, they're like, "Well, you don't need those anymore." And I was just like, "What? Like, 
just because I'm taking a moment of hiatus of not mm. performing live all the time, I of course still want people to listen to my music. Yeah, like that's, yeah. That is, those are permanent. Hell yeah. Um, appreciable. Is that a word? Yeah. They sure. can appreciate. Uh, they are are things that will live for whomever they need to live for to that that's that's like forever hell and, yeah and also it's been interesting to just observe like uh i've definitely had a few moments in recent weeks of almost like a suffocation of being like i need to figure out how to make some music right now because mm. i can't i i cannot live my life without making music mm. but i'm excited to figure out completely different way anyway long story short yes you can include them <laughs> awesome oh i i had a great i had just, i have an idea for a gimmick i want to do for more uh, other students i want to have on yes what's a message to that you would like to give to yourself as you graduate Ooh. Not, knock on wood <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i graduate i think i will because i think i really like it here and i'm gonna mm-hmm. unless something what okay. what's a message that, to, to you in three years we'll just put it to me in three years yeah. hold on let me tap in to a, a self, deeper self. Just the beginning. I love that. Just getting started. You ain't seen nothing yet. I love that. Isn't I mean that's that is how I kind of truly feel now, and isn't it pretty epic that yeah. this is just the beginning? Well, that's what. Um I know Sharon Salzberg says it a lot. One yeah. of my favorite meditation teachers is that the She's whole practice great. of meditation and yoga is just beginning again. Yep. Anyway, thank you yeah. so much. Thanks for having me. This, this is, is great. great. Yay. Yeah.
Hello. 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 Check out our new podcast, Barely, Barely Composed, with us, Feminine Trio. Each week, we write a brand new comedic song with one of our funny friends. Listen and subscribe to Barely Composed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Campfire.